Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perrone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perrone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Welcome, Kimberly Whitecamp, to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Kimberly, thank you for taking some time with us. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to talk to you today. Well, you do something that um, a lot of people don't realize how important it is until they hear what you do. And we're going to cover that today because you got some great ideas. And anybody who's trying to build their business, get it off the starting block and get a lot of activity. Kimberly Whitecamp is the person that you definitely want to speak to. But Kimberly, let me tell them a little bit about you. Um, Kimberly Whitecamp is a marketing strategist, a podcaster, and a conversion copywriter. Remember that term. As creator of the audience conversion method and host of the audience converter podcast for community leaders, she helps community leaders, coaches, and course creators convert their audience from strangers to loyal fans. And that's just, if I had to simplify it, uh, Kimberly, it can't be any simpler than that, right? Everybody wants a course, a book, or whatever they are, but unless they have people in the waiting room, ready to talk to you about it and buy, um, nothing much happens, huh? Very true. Absolutely true. Well, you have a very uh, unique story that I want to share with everyone, and I'm going to have you start it off. But here's the question. How did you get started in this profession? Absolutely. That is a great question and a fun little romp around the world. Um, At the time, I was working as an English teacher in Spain. And I'd been doing it for a couple of years, and I was starting to look for a new opportunity. I knew I wasn't going to renew my contract, and I had to figure out what I was going to do. And uh, this story is a great uh, representation of how important and powerful marketing can be. Because I get this email from my mother, which says, job opportunity, not spam. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm opening that, right? That's a great subject line. Uh, And also, of course, it was from my mom. So, of course, I'm going to open it. So, I open it and she links me. uh, It was actually from an ad, I think, um, that she saw on Facebook uh, from a company that had a training program on how to write travel articles. And it, uh, you know, it it had uh, modules on how to do it, the process for it, and also how to actually get published. So I loved the idea. I dived into it. I was so excited about it. Uh, I finished the course in like a weekend, um, which is uh, really, really fast. And uh, within a month, I had my first article published. Uh, But I realized that travel writing is not going to pay you the big bucks. Uh, The best way for you to use travel writing is to like supplement your income. Uh, But like the parent company uh, also created 
a copywriting training course. And I, I had been seeing these articles from someone who did travel writing on the side, but her big business was copywriting. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to test it out. I'll, 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 I'll test it out. And they had a trial run where you could do like, I don't know, 15 bucks or something to test it out for a month to test out their signature program. And at the same time, I was learning about copywriting specifically for the web, which at the time was still, you know, people are kind of like, ah, is it going to stay? Is it not going to stay? Maybe, maybe it's going to like fade away. Um, so I, I dived into that while uh, living in New Zealand, actually, and working 60 hours a week on my off days, I would uh, train myself in copywriting. And uh, I never looked back. I loved everything about it. I loved every aspect of it. And um, because I didn't have 20 years experience in a corporate job, uh, I decided that, well, I'd been living abroad and traveling for four years at that point. I was going to work for the travel industry. And I heard that the money was in B2B, which is business to business. So I was like, okay, I'll write for travel software companies. And that's what I got started doing. Wow. Wow. All, all in 60 weeks bartending and all that stuff, huh? Uh, yeah. I, I stayed in New Zealand for about a year. Um, I was working 60 hour weeks, uh, running an accommodation. And before that, I was bartending. Um and on my days off, I was uh, consuming all of the content I could for my training. And you, because you had a, a pat, you know, you just said something really important for anybody who's in business. It, it works, your business works really well when you have passion. Huh, Kimberly? Absolutely. I'm a big believer. It is so difficult to want to get up in the morning and do what you do if you don't have passion for it. And that is actually... One of the key lessons I remember uh, from my copywriting training course, which is one of the oldest uh, direct response training courses uh, in North America, and that is that you have to uh, really believe in the product and you have to really feel and connect with the audience. Um, so when I first got started, uh, a lot of people will say, you know, the money is in two specific industries. Uh, and that's financial newsletters and alternative health uh, supplements and newsletters, which I didn't want to write for. I didn't like the style of it. And it was uh, offline. It was uh, those are for print, uh, which is, you know, kind of going by the wayside a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I was learning about writing for the web and that I absolutely loved. And I found it so incredibly difficult to do my assignments and to, you know, test my knowledge when I had to write for a financial product as opposed to having to write for the web. And that just kind of goes to show how much more difficult it is for people to actually um, achieve things and, and tick off their to-do list when it's things that you don't feel passionate about. And would you say that's one of the reasons you've been very successful is your passion? I would say absolutely. It's my passion. And uh, partially it's because um, I'm a big believer in, you know, finding the people that are the right fit for you. So for the most part, uh, from the moment I got started, you know, I got every person on the phone and talked to them before starting to work with them. Um, it was really hard at the beginning, right? Because I'd get contacted by people. They would, you know, send a quick email. Hey, what are your rates? And I'm like, um, my rates for what? 
What, what do you need? What is your goal? What is your purpose? You know, where are you at in your business? Like, it's such a, it's such a nebulous question. Um, and it was tempting to like, okay, I'll just send something back. But really, I knew I needed to get them on the phone. So I think part of my process, which is getting um, that initial conversation just to discuss people's business, their audience, and their overall goals for any kind of project. That's also a huge part of uh, my success. But I would say, yes, absolutely. Realizing where your passion is. And if your passion changes, then realizing it's okay to change uh, what you focus on too. Isn't that interesting that uh, the passion is, a that's your, to me, that's your thrust off the, the rocket platform, you know, like a thrust. But you said something that's very interesting. And, and you said, I need more facts about you. Be, you know, forget the rate. What what are you trying to accomplish? Those are key. What, where, how, when? You know that kind that kind of stuff. Absolutely, the, uh, the five journalism questions, right? Yeah, no, no. But those are the fact questions that are important because everybody wants. To, everybody has an end game, and those are the key questions for the end game. So you were very smart doing that. Um, so what do you think are the key strategies or value drivers which you think help grow your business now? What are the things that you do where you see your business is growing? Yeah, so I think one of the uh, the key drivers uh, also came from one of my copywriting training courses. And that was this idea that you can't write great copy if you don't really understand your audience. So one of the key drivers is when I get potential clients on the phone, I ask them questions. And it's not just about their project, but it's also about, you know, what are your general struggles? And when anyone joins my email list, I have something called a thank you page survey where I say, okay, tell me what your biggest struggle with email marketing is right now. That's the first thing I ask anyone new who joins my list. And I'd say about 50 to 60% of people probably actually answer that question. So Being able to communicate, connect with your audience and do it on a constant basis, I think is a huge key driver. Um, And it's very valuable because it keeps me connected with people. Like it doesn't matter what I think is, oh, this is what people need to know. Because the reality is, is that people are going to find me because they're looking for what they need to know. And that is a lesson I learned um, while working in the travel software industry. A lot of my clients, would focus on them, right? They wanted to focus on the the features of the software and what the software does. uh, And they weren't creating marketing that was in terms of how it could help their audience. So having those discussions, having those, um, just kind of having that firsthand look of what those two different approaches looked like and what kind of change it can make when, um, you know, thinking of your audience first. So I would say audience first, talking with your audience on a regular basis, whether that's through just asking for replies with email, getting a couple people on the phone once a quarter, uh, asking a survey question, anything like that. And uh, I would say the third is probably my entire approach to both my business and to marketing in general, which is I approach marketing from a how can I help you perspective. And that's how I approach every conversation I have with potential clients and every client I work with as well. I have had people come to me and say, okay, this is what I need. And I'll tell them, um, I completely understand this is what you're looking for help with. I'm not the fit for you. I don't have a background in that. I don't have knowledge of that. 
uh, your timeline is too short because it's really not a fit for us to work together. And I'll, if I have somebody, I'll say, would you like an introduction to somebody I think would be a better fit for you? So uh, coming from that place of, well, how can I help you? And if I can't, uh, letting people know that so that they can have the best experience possible. Because I could say, yes, okay, of course, I can help you do that. Absolutely. But if I have no understanding of your industry, of your product, and you've got a short turnaround and you need an entire lunch in like two weeks, uh, it's not going to be my best work. I'm not going to be doing the best possible for my clients. And it may or may not work because I didn't have that background and that starting point. So when you approach business as a Every conversation is, how can I help you when you're on the phone with somebody and making room for you to say, okay, actually, uh, I'm not the best person for them. Um, But then also knowing who you are the best people for, right? You have to sit down and decide who your ideal clients are and really, really figure that out and take the time to kind of write it out for yourself so that you know when you're having a conversation with somebody who's the best fit. You know, you you it's on your website and you you point that out. How can I help you? And knowing you uh since I've met you, that has always been your mantra. But you said something very interesting here that a lot of people in business and in marketing forget. They forget that they need to find out what the pain is. Yes. Because that's important. And I, I, over 50 years of practice, I know one thing. Pain motivates you more than gain. So if I'm feeling pain, I'm more apt to want to find a solution. If I'm getting gain, eh, it's okay. You know, I could kind of K-Pasa type thing. So you were very bright in really looking at that and saying, uh, what is your pain, basically? That's what you're asking. And uh, that's pretty cool um what would you say would be the key issues in your business kimberly that you have to stay up on uh key issues i have to stay up on hmm that's a good question um i would say one thing that uh, i always make time in my schedule for is uh, i do something called themed days so uh specific days of the week are for clients and specific days of the week are for my own business. Um, Because I quickly realized after a year or two in business that if you don't set time aside for your own stuff, it's really easy to continue to push it to the side. Uh, But by setting time aside for your own stuff, uh, you're able to serve your audience and your people even better because uh, you're getting in front of the people who do need your help. Um, So having a dedicated time slot once a week to work on my own marketing, whether that's writing emails, putting together my podcast episodes, doing prospecting of some kind, uh, doing follow-up for networking, whatever that looks like. But having a set time, uh, a set aside to do your marketing, I would say is a really key part. And in hand with that is to do follow-up, right? Um, I think many of us kind of get discouraged if we don't hear from somebody right away or if somebody doesn't seem to respond to us. Uh, but then you look at the stats, right? You look at the at what people have actually measured. And it used to be you needed about seven or 12 touch points for someone to be ready to work with you. So that meant either an in-person conversation or an email or a phone call seven to 12 times before someone was ready to say yes. Now, 
especially in the world of the online world, uh, where people are meeting and connecting with people uh, strictly through the internet first and foremost, and may never actually meet in person. I've met very few of my clients in person. Um, that takes about 15 to 30 touch points. So it's incredibly important to have some sort of follow-up system in place and to use it regularly. Uh, and it's it's easy for that to kind of fall by the side. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's also information and articles out there. People say, oh yeah, they, they'll stop at like four and then five is that magic number or something. So kind of deciding for yourself what that process looks like and how often and what you're going to give <clears throat> in that follow-up. But also remembering that the follow-up is not, hey, are you ready to give me money yet? Right. <laughs> the follow-up is, you know, how are things? Is this still a priority for you? I, I came across this article or here's an episode I just recorded. I think it would be valuable for you, right? I come from the approach that every time you send a message, it needs to have value, even if it's a sales message. So by the act of somebody opening and reading your marketing, opening and reading your messaging, opening and reading your emails, um, they get something out of it, even if they don't take that final action of clicking or buying. So when you do follow up, it's really important to not only just be having another touch point, but building the relationship too. And even if they just see the, the fact that they got an email from you, but didn't open it up, that's that's a touch because they see your name and you're in touch with them. You bring up a great point. And I, I wrote about this in my book, Unlocking Your Business DNA. And in my practice, I took 80 days a year to work with clients. In other words, those were the specific days that I said, I'm going to work with the clients today and we're going to have discussions. The rest of the time were for, for personal stuff, administrative stuff. But um, and it allowed me to build a multi-million dollar planning and consulting firm, but spend my time with my children, school, baseball, whatever it might be. But mm -hmm. it gave you but, but what's important is that it gives you that calm down feeling and uh, it loosens up stress because you have time to do other things that you have to get done. So you were very bright doing that. That's very smart. A lot of people fight that. I, I mean, you know, when I first got started, it was always work, 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 work. Oh, I'll get to my stuff when I get to it. Occasionally, I'd be able to find a random day to like, you know, whip out 10 emails so that I was good for the next 10 weeks or something. Um, but it was, it was very stressful. And then I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in, in getting mentors and finding people who are further along the path than you. So I joined a, a program strictly for helping copywriters build their business. And that was one of the first lessons was um, it was through a Joanna Weeb through Copy Hackers. Uh, she runs a program strictly for copywriters. And it was about how to theme your days, how to break up your scheduling, how to make your time productive, but also make it so that, you know, you could schedule like that free time when you want it. Um, and it's something that I, I, uh, I, I pass on to my clients as well, is this idea of, you have to set time aside for yourself, but you also want to kind of be proactive about it. So if you want to go on vacation, you don't want to be scrambling to get something done right beforehand and then scrambling when you get back to catch up. So this idea of building up a library, right, of always being a little bit ahead so that you can hit pause or take a break. Or if you just want a day off, you know, you wake up and brain is not at 110%, you know, whatever you do today is not going to be, you know, that, 
that's successful, you might even have to rework it. Realizing you need a day to take some time for yourself and being like, okay, I can do that because I know everything else is still going to run. And you know, you're right. And I, I do the same thing. I do it a little differently. I, I commit the days to when I want to work. But I also found that in my daily scheduling, I find where my energy level is much greater in the morning. And those are where I compartmentalize those very uh, energetic uh, tasks that I have to do. So again, this is time management, but it, it's maybe so critical to your success to have a time management system, at, at least the way you follow it in a philosophy like you are, Kimberly, you know. Um, what were the challenges which created changes in your business? Yeah, so as I mentioned, uh, when I first got started, I went into um, a B2B industry. And uh, at the time, pre-pandemic, right, uh, the travel industry was quite behind the times. Um, a good portion of their infrastructure was from the 1980s. There was a lot of innovation, so that was really exciting. But there was also a lot of resistance or misunderstanding. And so a lot of the companies didn't quite understand how online marketing could work for them. So I would spend a lot of my time doing education. And I found that in the particular industry I was working in, I was mostly working with newer companies uh, because the old school companies just, you know, A, they probably had their own marketing department, uh, but B, they were also not interested in like trying out new things. Oh, we've been doing this for 30 years. We don't need to try this new fangled internet thing, um, even though at the time the internet was not newfangled. Um, so I found myself doing a lot of education and it was a, it was kind of an uphill battle for every person I met. And it was like 12 to 18 months before someone was ready to say yes to working with me, uh, which went along with the industry, right? The industry was about 12 to 18 months too. Uh, but I was just kind of getting tired of having to do constant education. And uh, a lot of the people I was working with, they stumbled into their position. So they were software engineers who knew a little bit about marketing in their old job. And so when they joined a new startup, they became the director of marketing. So uh, it was people who, you know, I was constantly having to explain what this new approach was going to be and how it was going to work. At the same time, I had launched a different podcast with a copywriter friend of mine and uh, decided to attend a conference specifically for podcasters. And I went and I met all of these amazing, fantastic people who were in the entrepreneurial coaching speaking world. And what I loved about these people was that they were so passionate about what they did and they were invested in their own business. Um, so I was talking to not only decision makers, but people who had a vested interest in things going well, because they weren't reporting to a boss. This was their company. And I realized that I was so energized after having conversation after conversation uh, with people at this, at this event that I was like, you know, I think I'm finally ready. I know what I want to do. I'm going to make that transition. And a lot of the information and the experience I gained in the software industry translated really well to my new industry because I was keeping people engaged for a really long time on email. And that's something that people in you know the entrepreneurial and speaker world also struggle with. Uh, but my big challenge was I kept hitting that wall of having to explain what I do as opposed to coming from the approach, which is what I teach people now of, well, have people find you who already know they have a problem and want your specific help. Yeah, it's very interesting, huh? The differences of industries and the way you look at how, 
how to approaching an industry. But uh, and in a way, that being in the travel industry has really been a big help to you for your career now. Absolutely, you know, I've learned so much from it, of course. Uh, but you know, I I would attend this. Uh, it was one of the largest travel industry conferences in the world. Usually drew about like a hundred thousand people. So I mean, we're talking huge. Um, and every person I spoke with, you know, they were still doing person to person handshake style. That was the way they did their initial connections. Um, and then it would take manual follow-up and it would take like, you know, a good year to 18 months before someone was ready to sign on the dotted line. Um, and, you know, I realized that that wasn't the fit for how I wanted to operate and how I wanted to be communicating with people. Um, but it taught me a lot and I love the travel industry and, you know, I can't wait to go start traveling a lot more now. Um, and it was a great learning ground, especially for my focus now, which is keeping up engagement and figuring out ways to to keep in touch without necessarily needing that one to one touch point if you're growing a big community. Would you say is that your specialty, Kimberly? Yes, my specialty now is helping people grow their communities through their marketing. Because um, as I've said, right, your marketing should be based around how can I help you? And I'm a big believer that your marketing needs to be a reflection of working with you. So if I receive your marketing, whether that's a Facebook Live video, an email, listening to your podcast, um, and then I hire you to work with you, I shouldn't be surprised at the way the conversation goes, at what you sound like or anything like that, because you're you are the face of your company for a lot of the people that I work with. And um, that's that's kind of what I focus on is helping people not only get people into their world, but keep them in their world and keep them engaged in their world. There's a lot of training and, and gurus, if you will, out there who are all about how to get more leads, how to get more leads. Uh, but I don't really like that term because leads comes from uh, an old school method where companies would buy lists of names and then have to contact all of them to see, hey, would you be interested in what I'm selling? Uh, but the way the internet works and the way people interact with companies online, it's a completely different story because people are actively looking for your solution. They just don't know that you offer it yet. Yeah, that's the the key is to let people know, hey, I'm I'm raising my hand. I'm doing this. If you're looking for it, here I am. So they got to find you. But that's a lot. That's I call that inbound versus outbound. The older methods, you know, where you're doing exactly what the traveling industry was doing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, how do you uh, typically work with business owners? So typically, the way I work with business owners, um, I've got a couple of different options now. But if they're doing a one-to-one, um, as I said, right, I will get them on the phone. If somebody reaches out to me and they're like, "I'm looking for help," <coughs> excuse me. That's you. Uh, I'm looking for help. Uh, you know, uh, oftentimes uh, people I work with, uh, I might be the first copywriter they've hired. They might have worked with one before. Uh, but often in the world of online marketing, there's just so many moving parts uh, that people think they need something, but they don't really know how to articulate that. So I'll get on a call with them and I'll ask them about their goals and what their plans are and what their timeline is. And then I'll give them a couple of options that I think would work really well with them. Uh, usually, uh, one of them is going to be, uh, it's going to have at the core what they initially approached me for, but there's probably two or three other things that'll make it work better. And then we do a, you know, a, a fee agreements and a, an initial deposit. And then we get on a kickoff call to, 
you know, solidify the goals, figure out how communication is going to work, uh, go over any materials I've requested. Uh, as I said, right, I really need to know someone's business to write for them. So I'll ask for past marketing materials, any information or specs about the product that we're writing about, um, any uh, customer service emails that have been sent to them uh, from previous or current clients just to get a feel for what their audience is like. I'll do a little research, go into their website, go and find uh, their their ideal clients in the wild, if you will, on like Reddit and Quora and Facebook groups, just to kind of see how people talk talk about their particular product. Uh, and then we get down to the writing. So uh, depending on how big the project is, there might be a, uh, an outline or there might be uh, just a, okay, this is the theme. This is the goal. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. And then they get the copy and then we go over it, walk through how it's going to be put into their systems. Uh, do any revisions uh, that are are requested from the clients, and then they get to go and use it the way, whatever way they want. Um, oftentimes, I will also be helping people kind of plan their strategy along the way. Uh, you know, most people come to me saying, oh, I need emails, uh, but they don't really have a greater plan for how those emails are going to play into their overall business structure. So part of what I'll do is I'll help them kind of figure that part out. Uh, but I also do a uh, workshops. Uh, so helping people write specific styles of uh, copy. So, uh, you know, big points of concern for people are how do I get the right people into my world? So I do a three-day event um, helping people plan out their marketing strategy and then create their initial gift landing page, nurture emails, and opt-in copy. Um, and then I've also done um, workshops on writing a welcome series. So kind of creating a curated experience for new people in their world, uh, we go through and they actually get to write the copy on those. Um, so I work with people in that way. And then I also work with people over the course of a year uh, to create every, um, if you will, ongoing or evergreen piece of uh, marketing they'll need. So not only having your 12-month plan of how am I going to show up in the world, but also, okay, once they get into my world, what happens? Once they pay for a course, what happens? Uh, once they uh, reach that next tier after working with me, what happens? Uh, so kind of just creating all of those touch points that can be automated, but still be personalized and still be a really great connection point and uh, getting those put in place over the course of a year so that you know, the the systems that you need, the processes that you need, the regular marketing is there and you don't have to be constantly struggling. And and yes, and that uh, when you say evergreen, I realize what you're saying. Um, but for the audience, these are things that, you know, are are things that will happen over time and they're they're naturally happening. In other words, an evergreen topic would be money. That's all. Everybody's always interested in money and love and whatever. And but the the challenge to the small business entrepreneur is to make sure their structure is built for evergreen purposes, correct? Uh, yes. And also when I use the word evergreen, it's marketing material that's not going to be dated. So for example, if you're if you're doing something with a specific end date, like the event I mentioned, right? Uh, I'm going to invite people to join and then I'm going to stop because the event is going to happen, right? Anything I send out about that. Uh, is probably going to be event-based uh, because there's a specific endpoint. Uh, but for example, if you have people who are regularly joining an online course that you have, you've already created the course, uh, the course is open year-round, 
Well, um, the email that's going to welcome them to the course, the email that's going to tell them how to interact with the course online, the emails that are going to go out to remind people to, to finish the course or to, to make it to module three, because that's the real juicy part that everyone wants, right? Uh, the ways to kind of keep that interaction and engagement going, but can happen at any point during your year or during your business life, if you will. Um, those are things that a lot of us kind of consider as, oh, those would be nice to have but actually they can help you build uh, engaged and long-term relationships with your customers and clients. Um, but it's something that we don't realize we need usually until the day comes, right? Oh, I've got a bunch of new people who are about to join my program. I don't have an email to like show them how to navigate the dashboard to get to their courses. Oops, uh, I better go whip that one out, right? Uh, so anything that's evergreen in the world of marketing is stuff that the content is still relevant and uh, it's usually not time-based. So for some people, for example, if you write an article on, I don't know, um, how to build a Facebook group, if you did it three years ago, uh, the content is probably dated, but for a good year, you could use it repeatedly, right? But now, because Facebook is constantly changing their algorithm, uh, some of the methods that you talk about may not work anymore. Hmm. And well, that's a key thing in marketing too, especially if you're online courses, because those, they do they can become outdated because of technological changes and and obviously subject changes. So, and and when you work with somebody, Kimberly, how long do you usually work with them um, to implement? And then is it an ongoing relationship that you have with them? So to work with people, it depends on their project. Most projects are going to take a minimum of a month. Uh, and that's not because it's going to take, you know, 30 days to write a single email, if you will, uh, but because I really want to make sure that I understand their business. And more specifically, of course, that anything I create sounds like it's from that company. You know, I took the extra step to go through um, voice training. Uh, one of the copywriters who, who made a lot of the big names in the online world, famous like Ramit Sethi and Jeff Walker, she offered a uh, voice training workshop on how to make your copy sound like whoever it is that you're writing for. Because that's one of the biggest complaints for people. I hired a copywriter. They wrote a bunch of stuff. It looks good, but I have to rewrite all of it because it doesn't sound like me, which is not something you want to happen, right? Uh, so I spend a good portion of those initial weeks making sure I understand their voice. I understand the way they say things. I, I have enough of their story. I understand their product. And then I'll go ahead and do the writing. So I would say on average, uh, working with me is a one to, to five month endeavor, depending on how big the project is. If it's a one-off project, like a welcome series, that's going to be three to four weeks usually. Uh, I do those quite frequently. Uh, but if it's a bigger project like a launch, which is when somebody is opening access to a program or to a course with a specific end date. So they're opening access for like three weeks. Uh, usually there's a big buildup uh, to that. And then there's the actual uh, promotion period of, okay, this is when you can buy. And then there's potentially uh, the post cart close period after uh, they stop letting people in, but they still want to connect with all those brand new uh, people in their world. Um, so that's a, a much bigger project. It takes a lot more time. It has a lot more milestones. Um, but yeah, usually it's going to be at least a month. Uh, and then I often work with people on an ongoing basis, right? So every month we do something together. We put another series together. We we create some more nurture welcome, uh, nurture emails. Um, 
we uh, retouched their their strategy to plan out the next six months. Um, so that's kind of the process and, and what it would look like for a timeline. Uh, now, what does audience audience conversion mean, Kimberly? Audience conversion is a, it's the principles of creating a marketing plan with your goals in place. Uh, oftentimes, people approach marketing uh, from what I call a logistics first approach. I'm going to go live on Facebook twice a week because I've heard that works. But they don't have a plan in place. They don't have a strategy in place. They don't know how it's going to tie into anything else they're doing. They just know every Tuesday and Thursday, they're going to hit the record button and go live on Facebook. So they don't really have a plan or a strategy behind all of the actions that they're taking. But with the audience conversion method and my whole approach is you have people out there who are listening or who are a part of your community. But you want to have a plan to actually move them from strangers to engaged members, to paying members, to happy clients who are happy to refer to you. So when I talk about audience conversion, it's talking about speaking to your ideal people, right? That's the key. It's your audience. It's not everyone in the world. It's not even everyone in the world you could potentially help. It's specifically your audience, the people who you're best fit to help. And taking them from that process of, I don't know who you are, to I'm a happy client and happy to send people your way. Interesting, because that is the key, audience audience conversion, to obviously make anything happen, correct? Absolutely. But I think uh, a lot of us are, are kind of tied up at the very beginning or the very end of the process. So some people will come to me and say, you know, uh, I did a launch and it went horribly. Um, nobody opened the email. Or, and no one signed up. And my first question will be, well, how many times did you email? How many people opened your message? Uh, and I'll get an answer like, oh, I sent two emails. Um, and I don't know how many people opened the message. I'd have to look, which means they're not really keeping track of, well, did people were people even aware of it, right? So if you have nobody who opened the message or you sent it on a Saturday when most people aren't checking their inbox, that's not a good indication of if your particular product is of interest to your audience or not, because you don't even know how many people even saw or interacted with the offer. So people focus on opens or they focus strictly on sales, but there are so many other conversion points in the process, right? If somebody gets to, your, gets to a gift, did they actually give you their email address? Once they got your, you got their email address um, and you sent them their gift, did they open and use the gift? Once they're on your list, do they continue to engage with you? Uh, once you tell them about a product, did they make it to the page? Did they click the button? Once they click the button, did they then put in their information and actually buy? There are so many different points at which we have a quote unquote conversion, which means people took that specific action we wanted them to take, or that is the action to take to, to create the next step. Um, but we often just kind of focus on on the very beginning or the very end of the process and kind of forget that there are so many other touch points along the way where we might be losing people. And maybe that's one of the places where if you just improve something in the middle, then suddenly you have twice as many people who make it to the end and your your revenue sales go up and it's actually working quite well. It's interesting how many little elements there are to marketing online that people are not aware of. Uh, but certainly would be educated by teaming up with you. Um, Kimberly, um, how can people plan for profit with their marketing? 
Yes, that's a great question. Um, with with their marketing, I, I think a lot of us have kind of disconnected, right, about the purpose of our marketing. It's one of those things we have to do. Uh, and a lot of people approach marketing as, I don't want to do it, but I have to do it or I should do it, right? Uh, instead of approaching it as, well, this is another touch point, And this is a way to guide people to that next step. So often, as I mentioned, right, people will uh, focus on getting more subscribers, right, for their email list, for example. But then they don't have a plan in place for, well, what is it going to look like when that's the success? So what I tell people about is you have to identify what success looks like for you in real conversion metrics. So, for example, if you get new subscribers into your list, within one week, you want 10 of them to join your free group. Or once a month, uh, you want a steady stream of at least three people booking an initial consult with you who have just recently joined your list. So it, it obviously it ties into click rates and to open rates and to all those other kind of what I call vanity metrics. But you want to know what the conversion looks like. And therefore, you would know what the profit looks like. So people know if I can get someone on the phone, I know I'm going to close 50% of them uh, into that first package, for example. So how many people then do you want to be getting onto the phone? And if that's your ultimate goal is to get them on the phone, then how many people do you need uh, to go through your emails so that you can get to that number that you want on the phone so that you can then get to your close number? Uh, So when I talk about planning for profit, you have to know where people need to end up and you have to know what your milestones are in between to get to that number. Um, Oftentimes people are like, well, you know, they're going to get on my list, but I don't really know what to sell them right now. Or uh, I got people on my list, but, um, you know, I I want more sales. Well, more sales isn't really descriptive and it's not easy to plan for. If you want more sales, is that you want double your sales? Is that you want an increase of $1,000 a month in revenue, uh, in recurring revenue? You have to decide what that looks like and then kind of work backwards so that you know what marketing needs to be in place to move people to that point. It's almost like the the key is not so much the results as what's the activity it's going to take to get the results. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, I I have my sale manager say, Hey, Perone, how much, what are you going to produce next year? And I would say, I have no idea, but here are the things, the steps I'm going to take to try to get to my goal. So that was more important than obviously the end result of that point of the game. So I think that's what you're saying. There, there's a, a system and a strategy and the one, uh, one situation moves to the next segment of that to get to the bottom line. Absolutely. Um, it, it moves step by step and you have to know what success looks like for you. Too often we're, we're looking at other people and being like, oh, I want to be like them, but we don't know their internal structure and we don't know. We can see their outside view, but we don't know what the inside view looks like. So taking the time to set your own success goals. I want to be working with four clients a month you know, that's your success goal. So what do you want to do to make that happen? But also knowing that, you know, if you just say, well, I want more or I want to increase, but you don't have a clear idea of what that looks like, it's really hard for you to say whether or not it works. So then you're in this constant mindset of it's not working because you haven't actually set a success metric. 
Yeah, well, Kimberly, you really have opened the, the uh, door up to a lot of questions that people may want to ask you about getting their projects off the ground. I've talked to many people that, um, you know, they said, well, I'm going to write a course and put it on online, but don't realize there's a lot of marketing to it and mm. you need a system, right? Um, Kimberly, I'm going to, I really appreciate you taking some time and going through this, but I know you have a great website and some good things that people can uh, find out about you. And I do have uh, the contact information, your email and your website. Is there anything else on your website or any offer that you have up there that people should download or whatever it might be? Absolutely. So if people are wanting to build a connection uh, with their subscribers on email from email number one, I've got a free guide on uh, how to craft the perfect welcome series. It's one of the things I mentioned uh, as a top project that I often uh, get asked to do for people. Um, so it's a guide on uh, just uh, general insights and tips on how to kind of put that in place for yourself. And that can be found at theaudienceconverter.com slash giveaway. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a free guide. It's a free download. Uh, it's a quick read, but it'll showcase how you can show up in your email and show up in your marketing and start building that connection and relationship with your subscribers. So they'll stick around and become your happy clients. And Kimberly, if someone wanted to contact you to talk to you personally about their project, um, do you have them call you or do you have them email you to set up a time? Uh, email, absolutely, to set up a time. Um, and I think you said you have the email. That's contact at theaudienceconverter.com. Uh, happy to, to have discussions with people. Uh, mention that you've uh, heard me on Thomas's podcast. It'd be a really great uh, connection point there. Uh, but yeah, uh, email is the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for taking the time to really give us a, a broad overview of marketing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, it's not as simple as people think it is to get online and try to uh, build a clientele. There's a lot to it. And uh, obviously, you've mastered that. So, so Kimberly, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much for the invite, Tom. I had a blast chatting with you and really appreciate it. All right, Kimberly, have a great day. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner, or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. 
include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.